Hello and welcome to the Subject to Improvement podcast. My name is Susanna Margison. I am your host. I am a lawyer turned conflict strategy coach, which basically ends up meaning that people come to me when they are dealing with high stress, high stakes, interpersonal conflict, whether it's professional or personal. And then I end up fixing their life with them. It's very fun. And a lot of my clients are millennial and Gen Z. So I really pride myself on being somebody that's no bullshit, but also kind of fun to hang out with, right? Like I'm not going to tell you something that would have worked 20 years ago because I'm paying attention to what works now. Today, I want to talk to you about a topic that has been playing on my mind really for a long time. And that topic is mansplaining. Big topic. Okay. A few months ago, a client asked me how I handled it when people mansplained to me, or specifically when men mansplained to me. And I'm not going to lie to you, I actually drew a blank. My first thought, as is often the case, when people bring me these like really hot button topics that are, you know, the topics of the day and you see in the Harvard Business Review and that kind of thing, it was sort of, what the fuck is mansplaining? Like I need to refresh my memory on what this is. So for the record, I am reliably informed by the internet that mansplaining is when one explains something to a woman in a condescending way that assumes she has no knowledge about the topic. And it also can mean to explain something to a woman in a way that shows that he thinks he knows and understands more about the topic than she does. So basically, mansplaining is when a man explains something to a woman in a way that she feels is condescending and in a way that makes her feel like he's not respecting her knowledge or what she brings to the table or in a way that makes her feel like he's assuming she's an idiot. Now, my first thought or my next thought, I should say, was I'm not sure this has ever happened to me before. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this has definitely happened to me before. So here's the thing. People from all genders have talked down to me before. Like, it's hard to be a litigator without encountering at least one experience where you feel like someone is acting like a condescending jackass towards you. But this actually happened to me relatively recently where somebody who is a non-negotiable in my life spoke to me in a really condescending way. And I immediately went from like, who the fuck are you to be talking to me that way to how dare you speak to me that way? Because like, almost like, do you know who I am? To feeling kind of hurt because it did feel like a sign of disrespect. So this has definitely happened to me before. I'm not sure, and I'm being totally honest here, I'm not sure that when it did happen, though I ever assumed it was because of my sex or my expressed gender. I did, however, decide that it was probably happening because I was young or they were trying to get me to doubt myself or maybe, you know, they were insecure. Mind games, by the way, are definitely part and parcel of litigation. Like, that's just something. It just goes along with it. And people will fuck with your mojo a little bit. Like, the really, really good litigators know how to play those games. So on further reflection, there were also times when people spoke to me that way where I felt like it was very condescending, where I didn't actually know what the person was already telling me. So if they were assuming that I didn't already know, then their assumption was correct. There were also plenty of times when the person, and I'm saying person because honestly, I think I've experienced this phenomenon more from other women, frankly, than men. So when the person who was doing the explaining actually had a lot more knowledge about the topic than I did. And also like, who am I to presume that I can actually say without a doubt what another person is assuming? Like the last time I checked... I wasn't a mind reader. I think the real issue at heart of this phenomenon, other than, of course, the history of systemic oppression towards women, et cetera, like that's all, that's a given, is that 
we're triggered by the idea that someone isn't appropriately recognizing our intelligence or for that matter, just even respecting our intelligence. I think that's the problem. So try this on for size with me. You're in a conversation with somebody discussing something like, I'm just going to say traffic light etiquette because it's something that I think a lot of us have opinions on and it's just, it's an easy topic to you. So the topic doesn't really matter, but come with me on this journey for a minute. So let's suppose you already know the traffic laws. You have a pristine driving record, but somebody else in the room, and let's say it's a dude or a bro just for the sake of argument, decides to grab the mic for the purposes of educating you about the proper way to manage your car at a red light. That's boring, by the way. Like, that person would definitely not be getting an invite to my next dinner party. Like, no. But suddenly, that feeling of rage in you starts budding, and you think, how fucking dare you just assume that I don't already know these things? He's mansplaining, and I won't have it. Okay, pause, like record scratch just for a second. Okay, first of all, and for you dudes listening, this is very important. That dude is going to need to work on his delivery, right? Like maybe starting with something like, hey, stop me if I'm telling something you already know. Or even, hey, stop me if this is boring would have been a thought, right? That's a very, very good way to insulate yourself against any accusation that you might be mansplaining. But secondly, and this is important, you labeling his behavior, or when I say you, I mean the person, the receiving person labeling his behavior as mansplaining involves an interpretation on your part. And interpretations, by the way, are a well-known mindfuck, and they get us in a lot of trouble. You can check out my conflict playbook, which by the way is free for more info. So interpretations are very, very dangerous because they're very convincing to us in the moment, and they're also liable to be very wrong. Interpretations are not based on evidence, but they nevertheless actually disguise themselves very well as being the truth. And I could think of lots of times where I was like, that person is mansplaining. You know, he's a suit. Not lots of times. I shouldn't say because I just said that there weren't very many times that I thought someone was mansplaining. But there were lots of times, I will say, when somebody would speak to me in a way and I'd be like, they don't respect me. You know, they're an asshole, blah, blah, blah. And then other people would try to say, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe they just didn't understand or maybe they were just trying to be nice. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm absolutely right about this because you become convinced. We become emotionally attached to that interpretation. So what if he was saying something that you didn't? already know. And by the way, this is very dangerous in workplaces. Like if you, if someone is talking to you and sharing their knowledge with you, and then rather than you kind of listening for the nuggets that you didn't already know, you immediately are like, oh, you're mansplaining to me. That's actually just going to put a divide between you and the other person. But that's a really important point to ask yourself is, hang on a minute. Like what if I didn't already know this? Or what if that guy was just involved in this like massive traffic-like study, which had some kind of game-changing information, and he was just excited to tell you about it? Like maybe he was trying to be helpful. What if the person is an introvert, and they're already nervous about having a conversation with you, and they're just doing their best not to have a panic attack or cause any awkward silences? I know lots of people that get verbal diarrhea when they're in a situation and they they have to speak and they're already a little bit intimidated and they've got, you know, the social anxiety and they sometimes don't nail the delivery. Like sometimes they actually quite the opposite, the delivery, right? They totally butcher the delivery. If those things were true, that would change the dynamic, wouldn't it? The point that I'm trying to make here is that mansplaining 
is actually a very subjective experience and it really sucks because I get it. There's a lot of shit that women have to put up with in the world and it really sucks that we have to put up with that too. And I also understand that it, you know, it's a hangover from years of oppression and we've got lots of work to do. That's true. I'm not saying that's not true. But what I am saying is that the experience of mansplaining can be very, very different from person to person. And what you think is mansplaining, I might just think is somebody trying to be helpful. And, you know, I'm not making it mean anything about whether they respect my intelligence or whether they know what my resume says. So we all also know, by the way, that if you call somebody something they're not, you run the risk of becoming the asshole in the situation. And one of my concerns right now, like I'm hearing this a lot. I talk to a lot of people who work in a lot of different workspaces. And one of the things I hear is there's this like undertone of us versus them, whether it's men versus women, you know, we can all think of things these days where there's an us versus them or two kind of sides that are brewing. And that doesn't do anything to bring people together. Like if you really want to advance women's rights in the workplace, I think one of the worst things you can do is make an enemy out of men. And in fact, that's backed up by research, by the way. Research actually shows shows that one of the best ways you can do that is actually to have men agreeing with you and championing your cause. And people will not want to be persuaded by you. They will not allow themselves to be persuaded by you if they feel unsafe. If they feel like you don't respect them, if they feel like you're assuming something about them that is just not true and you've already painted them with this label, then they're going to back the fuck off and be like, I'm, I'm just, you know, at best, they're not going to engage with you. And at worst, they might be like, you know what, in the next round of layoffs, I'm not going to stick my neck out for that person. Right? Like it's very, very dangerous. So if you call somebody something they're not, if you call somebody, if you're like, hey, you're mansplaining to me and then it turns out, they weren't mansplaining to you and maybe they actually did have more knowledge than you about the situation or maybe they were just trying to help. What happens in that scenario is you become the asshole. And that's especially true if you're the one who assumes that your knowledge is at the same level or superior to somebody else, like the suspected mansplainer when that's not true. And I have a really like shining example of this. So I was a rower as a teenager, you know, row, row, row your boat. I was a rower. Um, and so I learned the proper rowing technique when you use the rowing machines. And it was like drilled into us from day one. There's a proper technique. And honestly, a lot of people fuck it up. Like based on, like a lot of people do, I shouldn't say fuck it up. A lot of people do it differently than how I was taught to do it. So fast forward to law school and I decided, sorry, I had to grab myself a sip of my tea because I realized I didn't want it to go Cold. So fast forward to law school, I decided that I wanted a free gym membership uh, and I decided to get a fun job where I was like a member ambassador at a local gym. So I'd bring people around, show them how to use the machines, that kind of thing. Super fun job, by the way. I loved it. But I was also allowed to go around and offer like little tidbits of corrections, especially if it was within my zone of knowledge and expertise. And the one place I have really good knowledge is how to use a rowing machine properly based on the way I was taught. So I see this guy and he's doing it totally inappropriately. And I roll over and rather than doing it the way I would do it now, I was like, hey, you know, did you know uh, you're actually supposed to do it this way? And the guy paused and he goes, you know what? I was an Olympic canoeer. I know what I'm doing with this machine. Thank you very much. All right. I was not an Olympic rower. Let's put aside the fact that the rowing machine, I don't really think it's supposed to be used for canoeing, but what the fuck do I know? The guy had some massive credentials. And in that moment, I felt like an idiot. 
he was very nice about it. Like, or at least that's the way I'm choosing to remember the situation. But I definitely felt like an idiot. I mistakenly assumed that I had superior knowledge and I didn't. And then I became kind of the arrogant one in that situation, which was not a great look for me. And if you happen to do that in the workplace, like, you know, let me use another example. If I was a lawyer, I was a lawyer, and I happened to roll into this litigation and I'm like, you know, have my peacock feathers out. And I'm like, listen, I'm right. You're wrong. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And then the other guy on the other side of the table is like, look, I have been litigating for 30 years. I, I know these cases like the back of my hand. I know a lot more about this than you do. I would look like the arrogant one. That would totally kill my credibility. It would actually mess with my mindset. It would definitely have affected my, my ability to advocate on behalf of my client. It would not have been a pretty picture. This would not have been a good look for me. And I am all about helping you protect your personal brand and your reputation because I really, really believe that is a form of capital that you need to protect. Like that intellectual capital, that personal brand capital, that's valuable. And you don't want to fuck that up by like messing with a, with a relationship for something that honestly is as trivial as your feelings getting hurt. And I'm not, again, backing up because I know everyone's a little bit touchy these days. I'm not saying that your feelings being hurt isn't a valid thing. It's just that for something that really isn't going to matter in 10 months, like you don't want, you don't want to risk your reputation based on that. So sure, you know, you might want to tell the person off and kind of put them in their place, but the bigger flex in the situation, if you think somebody is mansplaining, honestly, would be letting the guy like say what he's got to say, And then look a little bit foolish, especially if everybody else in the room knows that you know what the fuck you're talking about. And everyone else in the room can pick up on the fact that he's gone off on a tangent or he's got up on a soapbox or he's pontificating, which is one of my favorite words. You know, you let them do that, let them have it, and let your accomplishments and your acumen speak for themselves. I can't think of a bigger flex than somebody who knows what they bring to the table, whose accomplishments do actually speak for themselves, who just sits there and lets someone fucking go off and is like, I'm, I am not bothered by you. My self-worth is not dependent on somebody else recognizing what I bring to the table. That is a flex. And also, why should you have to prove yourself to that person? You shouldn't. And you don't. So I think the mark of true confidence in my books, is when you don't actually sink to their level in an attempt to prove to them and yourself that you're deserving of greater respect. Because that's actually just outing your low self-esteem. Sorry, but it's true. You know what you bring to the table. Whether other people make false assumptions about that is honestly, for the most part, irrelevant. Because when it really matters, you can bring it out. And most of the time in those scenarios where someone's talking to you and you're feeling a little bit like they're being condescending or a dick, it doesn't usually matter. It's not going to prevent you from making your point. Annoying as their unnecessary explanations may be, you're still going to have your opportunity to make a point. So I'm going to answer that very good question from my client. How would I handle mansplaining now? Number one, I would notice when my blood starts to boil. Now this takes a little bit of practice and I didn't actually start doing this until probably five or six years into litigating. And man, I wish I'd learned how to do this before I started because it would have saved me a lot of heartache. It would have saved me a lot of time, like worrying that I'd overreacted and then worrying that people were going to judge me and blah, blah, blah. I really wish I'd learned how to do this. So I would notice when my blood starts to boil. So it takes practice. It's a lot easier than it might sound. And honestly, it just starts with noticing the first signs your body gives you 
right before you're about to be triggered. And if you can't do this in the moment, when you find yourself triggered, think back after you've chilled out and be like, okay, what? Like, what was my body experiencing before that happened? Now, if we had talked about this two years ago, I would have been like, I'm not interested in feeling. I don't really give a shit where I feel it in my body. Just like sort out the problem. You can't sort out the problem without understanding how it shows up in your body because the way we behave is totally, totally dependent on the way our brains are working and on the way our bodies respond to the situation. So this is actually a must. You can't skip this step as like willy nilly, frou frou, soft as it might sound. This is key. And the people that can keep their shit together and look all calm, cool, and collected and badass in those situations are the ones who can do this. So that's step one. It's a very, you know, it's a simple step to put into play. Step two, honestly, is I would take a few deep breaths discreetly. I'm not going to start hyperventilating in front of the person, but I am going to like slow down my breathing, you know, chill out a little bit. I'd smile. Even if it's just like a little smile in my eyes, it helps. Trust me. It's a thing. I won't get into it, but I'm telling you right now, if you smile, your body will start to follow, you know, like your feelings will start to follow. I would then, because I had started to chill out my nervous system doing steps one, two, and three, I would then remind myself that there is a possibility that I might be misreading the situation. I might not be, but I also might be. And I'd really rather not shoot my mouth off and say something I might regret if there's even an ounce of a possibility that I might be misreading the situation. That is not a flex. That is not going to help my personal brand. So I'm going to avoid that. The next thing I would do, again, I can do this because steps one, two, and three have chilled out my nervous system. I would remind myself very quickly of what my goal is for the conversation. Why am I here? You know, what, what do they need from me? What do I need from this conversation? What am I hoping to achieve? And I would remember, by the way, that people are a lot more likely to see things my way if I haven't just made them feel like their back is up against the wall by calling them misogynist or sexist or a mansplainer. And by the way, if you're saying, hey, you're mansplaining, that's essentially how the person is going to interpret that conversation if you don't do it carefully. Number six, I would wait for the person to finish talking while listening. You know, I'm smiling, I'm breathing. I still want to listen. And by the way, I would listen for the things I didn't already know because you can learn, like you don't have to like a person to learn something from them, right? And you can still learn an awful lot from even the way someone explains something. You might know what, you know, the subject matter, but maybe they explain something in a way that helps it land differently. And maybe that'll help you explain it to somebody else. I would smile, you know, like I said, not, and also by the way, new knowledge is new power. So I really, like, I would really focus on that one. That's a really key one. And then the next thing I would do is I would steer the conversation back to my goals by saying something very simple, like even like, thank you for sharing. My question, you know, concern or request is boom. That's it. That's all you have to say. Thank you for sharing. My concern is this, or my concern is actually this, or my question is actually this, or, you know, that's helpful. Thank you. It doesn't matter. Like just, you know, shut it down. And then you're done. Now, if I really wanted to make a point that somebody didn't know who he was talking to, if I really wanted to have my own BDE in the situation, do you know what I would do? I would go ahead after 
and I would either add them to LinkedIn or I would send an email with my email signature. And by the way, make sure that your LinkedIn is updated and unapologetically factual in all of its glory. Because chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a badass and the world deserves to know it. You don't need to like hide that under a bushel. So like make sure that your LinkedIn profile is shining a light on how great you are. So add them to your LinkedIn you know, write an email with your email signature. A lot of us who've been through education or have like, you know, got the hard-earned certifications or hard-earned degrees, have that in our email signature. You'll make your fucking point, trust me. So send it. You know, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate meeting you. Done. It is unimpeachably passive-aggressive. Just because something's passive-aggressive doesn't mean it's not helpful. And by the way, that kind of move is very, very effective. And you know what's the best part about that is you are going to look so cool for not losing your shit in the moment. It's awesome. It's a great tip. If you guys are looking for more great tips on how to handle that, I have distilled my best teachings into an online course. And I think back to what I was like at the age of 27. And I honestly think if I had bought this course at the age of 27, it would have completely transformed my life. It would have changed the way I showed up. It would have made me a better litigator. It would have made me a better friend. It would have made me happier. I would have put up with a lot less shit from a lot fewer people. And honestly, I think it would have made me a better person to my loved ones. So go and check out the How to Deal with Assholes course. You are going to love it. It is packed full of amazing information that will help you handle situations just like this one like a badass. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next time and I'll put all the information about the conflict playbook and the how to deal with assholes course in the show notes.